Hello, you're very welcome to episode 38, season two of the Two Hands on a Hurdle podcast. Uh, I'm joined by Mr. TJ Mills. How's it going, TJ? Not too bad, Robbie, and yourself? Asher Grant, uh, how's your week? Um, any problems uh, freezing your membership in the gym or anything like that happened to you? <laughs> I'm actually hesitant to talk to you because I got punked fucking brilliantly this week. And do you know what? If you're able to give, you have to be able to take it. And do you know what? I got caught so good. So um, absolute bull of us to yourself and name because I got caught hook, line and sinker. And it was just a brilliant prank. I'd be so proud of it. So fair play. <laughs> yeah. So just a bit of um, background. TJ just wanted to pause his gym membership and he had to send in uh, an email. And basically I was on the shift when the email came through so uh, I decided to have a bit of fun with uh, TJ and uh, basically say that he had to jump through all sorts of sh- hoops to um, freeze his membership anyway but um, <laughs> Liam was trying to kind of talk me down the whole time he's like you're having too much fun with this so uh, <laughs> um, I know it was it was brilliant I know it, I mean actually it was I mean you have to give respect when you get caught good and I got caught hook line and sinker and mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm actually crushed. The one sad point is I thought I developed a connection <laughs> with Olga. And with Olga, yeah. It just, I'm heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken, but <laughs> I move on. Yeah. We'll, we'll crack on. Uh, any other crack to you this week? Or? Yeah, no, none at all. Um, yeah, I got a bit of a scare last week, a health scare, and it just shows one thing I wanted to say is if you have any kind of concerns at all go to the gp because no point um holding off now thank god the the little bit of a scare is very minor a small bit of surgery and it'll be rectified but um it just shows the importance of going to the doctor being honest that's why the gym had to be paused but um yeah if you if you're not feeling well or you discover anything lumps anything go to the doctor straight away for your own peace of mind yeah, that's a solid advice there. So we're going to crack on. We're going to talk a bit of GAA. So um, it's actually kind of sad news this week that uh, Paddy Prendergast, who's the last surviving member of the the Mayo football team who won in 1951, uh, he passed away during the week there. So uh, RIP to his family and friends and uh, everyone close to him. Um, just when that kind of came up, I was just kind of thinking to myself, like, was it... Uh, massive pressure on him uh you know in the final years of his life like he wasn't really able to enjoy uh his twilight years because he had a lot of this pressure about the the mayo curse and all that sort of stuff so and probably people maybe bringing him and you know all this sort of stuff and so you think there was a huge amount of pressure on him uh in his final years or what do you think teach i honestly hope they they weren't um, but when you have, I mean, it, it's kind of the age we're in, um, that everything's on social media. There's so much media attention on, say, the likes of Gaelic games and all of that, that Mayo's misfortune in all Ireland finals always comes back to this supposed curse. I mean, uh, when I was growing up, like everyone knows the leash connections I have through my father and, um, there was the same thing there that there was meant to have been a curse when Leash won the hurling back in the early 
1900, say 19, I think, sorry, 1913, I think, they were meant to be in the same room or that um, the team at the time, Balakala, I think was Ballygegan, I, I, I stand corrected on it, they were meant to have been the same curse put on the leash hurlers as well. I mean, that's all well and good having it kind of in, um, kind of, of what would you say, old stories and folklore and all of that. But when people's lives are kind of brought into it, that, I mean, the curse with me, oh, I don't know 100% about it, but it's meant to be that it, as long as a member of that Mayo team back from 51 was alive, they wouldn't win in All-Ireland. Yeah, that's all well and good for folklore, but you have to look at the perspective of the late, say, Paddy Prendergast and all of that. And I genuinely hope he wasn't affected by it. I really do hope because no one kind of deserves to have their life kind of counted on that. Because um, reading up about it and even before I heard the very sad news, um. He was living in Kerry and Aidan O'Mahony, the former Kerry footballer who's a Garda in Kerry, was a good friend of his and was on television that he used to visit him during the COVID lockdown and all of that. And um, it just showed how highly respected he was. He was meant to be a gentleman as well. And you just genuinely hope that it didn't play a factor in his life because, I mean sport is sport but life is life and that's sport shouldn't become the be all end all like yeah that's very true and it kind of segues uh nicely into our next part of, kind of a very similar topic was um that uh, Aidan O'Shea came out yesterday on TG Carter and he was talking about um a lot of the online abuse that him and other guys received um over their losing to Toronto in the All-Ireland final so you know it's kind of, as you're saying, like with social media and the kind of ease of access to these players and stuff, and you can get like messages being sent to these guys and very hateful stuff. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're only players and they're doing their best and no one goes out to play a bad game or do anything like that. So um, do you have any comments on the, on, did you see the Aiden O'Shea interview yesterday or I, I kind of put it in the group chat while you were saying anyway, but um, did you manage to catch it yesterday? I didn't. I saw the start of that game, and I won't lie to you. There was a club match being streamed as well. I was going to go to my own club, Carrick Shocks match yesterday, but the weather was shocking, so um, I have to apologise to my club for not going. So I watched another intermediate game. It was being streamed, and um, I heard about the abuse was going on, like. I was never an inter-county player. I was never even close to the standard. But lucky I was involved with inter-county camogie teams and that. And I know the commitment that players put into it. And you can have good days and you have bad days. If you're not directly involved, I mean, the likes of going back to social media as well. It's very easy for someone to sit at a keyboard and put up on Twitter or fans forums or whatever you see the commitment that inter-county and club players put in, but more so inter-county because they have the double and they have to train with the club as, as much as they possibly can or link in with the club. But then, I mean, inter-county is nearly a full-time job now. You'd be gone looking at it from management perspective. You would have been gone four or five times a week. Players the same. They have their own gym programs, diets, all of that. 
and for players especially amateur players to get abuse is it's not called for and um pundits are being paid for it sometimes to go over the top but fans have to realize here we can comment unless unless you put in the sacrifices that some are that inter-county players put in i don't think you you can comment yeah you can but do not get personal like because mayo come back every year and deserve deserve great credit for it i know it's a running joke and all of that but going back to the first story when people's lives are being affected they all have parents they have partners kids no one deserves that no one deserves abuse yeah definitely it's uh definitely something that we know i don't know if there's ways around it or ways you can kind of stop it or if you can just kind of block these people and and try and try and move on or whatever but um you know as aiden or shay said that we will keep coming back uh, next year and uh, best luck next next year jenny wiley um another another team in the hunt for uh sam mcguire is uh Kerry and their new uh, new boss Jack O'Connor. So, uh, as you were saying in our little preamble beforehand, you were saying he he won one uh, in his first stint and second stint with uh, Kerry. He won in All Ireland. So, will it be a uh, third time to charm for Jack O'Connor? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, you look at underage success Kerry is after having, and you look at the uh, the good run they had in the league and the start of the championship. I mean, the talent is there. I mean. Um, a bit like the Kilkenny hurlers or Tipperary hurlers or, say, um, Mayo. They're never that far away. They're always going to, even on their bad day, they're very hard to beat. Now, I know last year against Cork was very disappointing for him and it was a shock. But I, I think Jack O'Connor will bring a steal to it. No disrespect to Peter Keane. I think Peter Keane was treated badly um, at the end of the... I know he may not have gotten all Ireland success but um for him to have to reapply for his own job I think maybe maybe it could have been dealt with differently but um going back to the question the the appointment to Jack O'Connor I think it'd be a terrific one for him. He's been there, done that, worn the T shirt like and the talent that Kerry have, the likes of the Cliffords and all of that they're not that far away. Um whether he can do it in the first season, it's going to be difficult because Tyrone aren't going to go anywhere. They're all Ireland champions. No one would have expected it and they're not going to want to give up the title too easy. They have good manager management team up there and Dublin will want to bounce back as well and it's it's a minefield but I am um, I, I think he'd be the right person for the job bringing in Mike Quirk, um, former leash manager as well. Um, I think they'd have a lot to prove because Jack O'Connor would have been disappointed with um, his stint in Kildare um, and Mike Quirk would have been disappointed with his stint in leash as well, especially the way it ended. So they both have a point to prove and it's their home county as well and there'd be no stone left unturned. Yeah, Um Kind of think there's definitely the the panel players there to do the job, and you know I think you you could have to you know give a bit of credit to Peter Keane as well that oh, you know when he when he took over the job they were they weren't seen as being as strong as they are now uh, as like definite all Ireland contenders now and you know he just wasn't able to get them over the line uh, or get them into the kind of championship game but you know just a depth of talent there and serious players and. Um, 
as you're saying there, a bit of a uh, bit of Jack O'Connor steel in there, and they they could be uh, all Ireland champions. And just definitely, you know, it could be like a wide open championship, like Dublin are in in the, kind of waning a bit. Um, obviously they will bounce back. Um, but I say a lot of teams are going to be um a lot more for the championship next year. Um, because Dublin aren't being as dominant now, so there's kind of a room for a new maybe power to emerge, and maybe Kerry could be that that power as well. Um. Just a little segue from the power. We're going to talk a bit about uh, Alexander Yusik, who uh, beat uh, Anthony Joshua in title fight on on the weekend there. So did you did you catch the fight? And what did you make of Deej? I did, yeah, and I was really impressed with Yusik. Um, I mean, uh, what's the term for it? Um, he wasn't a heavyweight. He uh, cruiserweight. Cruiserweight. Sorry, I couldn't think for thanks a million. Um, there was a lot of pressure on music going in there and um, especially with it taking place in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well. Um, uh, high, lo- uh, high volume of English, fa- uh, English fans there as well and it was a battlefield he was going into and it didn't bother him. I mean, he really beat Joshua easily. Um, now, there's a clause I heard that they have to be well. There's a clause for a rematch in the contract, um. So I think that'd be a really highly anticipated rematch. You'd really look forward to it. Joshua looked out of sorts, um. Maybe it was the situation that the hype kind of got, um. Our fans kind of got to him. Uh, music was able to. I think utilized the Dorabuna, the Ukrainian national anthem, and that, and maybe he was able to bottle that and use it uh, as motivation. But yeah, you'd have to be really, really impressed with the victory. And he seems a really genuine bloke as well, which is um, is good to see um, because you you can get a lot of say high power athletes like that that may not seem genuine or sometimes they 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 wouldn't kind of draw your attention you wouldn't say you'd be a fan in other words because of the hype or whatever but music seems to be a really genuine person with a young family and that and yeah really deserving but you'd kind of have to possibly fancy joshua for the rematch because i don't think he could be as poor again yeah, and he, he lost to Ruiz, Ruiz uh, a few years ago and then came back and beat him comfortably. Um, like, what, like, like is, it, is it the sense that maybe he, in general, he doesn't have a lot of tough fights and that maybe when he does get the tough fights, he gets caught and then he trains up first and then he, he gets a bit better and then maybe, you know, do you think it's maybe with his character? Is he maybe a bit overconfident or, or what do you think? Or he, or obviously... This guy, uh, Yusik, is a is a class boxer as well. Like, so it's not it's not all on Joshua. But um, do you think like maybe he's 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 fighting too many guys that are not up to a high enough standard, uh, so that he's not ready for these fights? Or what? Why do you think you know he's lost the heavyweight uh, title twice now? Um, so do you think there's anything that his his team are going to be wanted to work on, or what do you think? Yeah, it's a, I mean it's a tough one because I mean if you're a champion like. If you look back, and I know I'm going off topic, but if you look at, say, the Rocky film, the time he became the champion and he got the easy ones, and once you win back the belt, I mean, if you were a trainer, you'd you'd want to 
you'd want, especially after winning a really intense winning a title, you kind of want to take it easy for a couple of fights after. I mean, you don't want to go full intensity for the next fight around. Um, but as you were saying, Joshua, this is the second time Joshua is after losing the belt. And um, it, it's a really tough one because... Like, you wouldn't want to see, if you were managing Joshua, and I wouldn't know 100% about boxing, I love watching it, but I would never have, or wouldn't know the first hand of how to manage, but if you were to compare to other sport, you'd want a couple of slight easy ones, just just to get the confidence back. I mean, you, you wouldn't want to say to the boxer here, you're going out here, you know you're going to win it, because there's no point then. But still, they have to regain the confidence because Joshua will be hurting now. He really will be hurting because, as I was saying, in front of such a capacity crowd, as the amount of supporters he would have having watching the the bout as well. Um, I'd say if he came back, maybe one one or two max two easy bouts, and then try and build it up again. You want one situation where. He'd be going out fighting music again. Like you could say, yeah, to be retaliation and all of that. But if music got a couple of shots off, maybe doubts could pop into his head as well. Um, I'd find it very hard to ever slate a boxer. I won't lie to you, no matter whether cocky or disliking or whatever. Because if you're hopping into a ring to have someone hitting you for the bones of what 36 40 minutes like um it's not easy i mean if you are being punched in the face for five minutes uh you wouldn't be too great after kind of way so um yeah maybe maybe it's something the management team have to look at i wouldn't necessarily say he would have having too many easy fights but maybe it's a situation they have to look at something maybe they have to change the the training they're doing maybe they have to tra- change the sparring partners or something like that um but yeah if i was managing joshua i'd i'd get one easy bout just get confidence back get him in get whatever it be in a system outfit and then then go for something else um but the likes of joshua an olympic champion in 2012 he's still young he definitely wants to win back the title anyway, so he he's going to have to face music again, unless three time three time champion sounds pretty cool as well. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, unless there's a mandatory uh, challenger as well, unless there's a stipulation in the contract that it has to be Joshua fighting music for the belt. If yeah, I'd say it would probably be like mandatory, like they'll fight each other again. I would say. Um, yeah. I would say that's more than likely how it's going to go. Like maybe Joshua might fight someone in between or something, but I'd say it's the next fight for the title will probably be uh, Joshua, I'd say. But um, there was actually a good few jokes going around on social media that um, Tottenham Hotspur carried some of the, some of the bad luck um, from the Joshua fight. And they, because <laughs> he, because Joshua fought in the Spurs stadium and then Spurs got a, uh, they got battered, uh, no other word for it, in the North London Derby 3-1 from uh, the Gunners. Gunners, uh, have they turned the corner, do you think? Or? Uh, it's a bit early to say. 
I won't lie to you, Robbie. You can get a bounce back with teams on a bad run. Uh, I think the next game would be vital for the Gunners. Um, it would have been, it would have been a great boost for the management team, like I was saying. But um, you can get freak results like that. I mean, it's that's that's the joy of, um, the joy of football and um. Spurs seem to be going slightly off the rails. They had, I think, Spurs actually played better when the doubt was hanging over them with Harry Kane because Son was playing out of his skin. They they seemed to be regenerized, and then things kind of calmed down a bit. So yeah, I be, I I won't say things are rosy in the garden for Arsenal, but still it's points picked up and it's uh, you could say a local derby as well. So they'd be really happy. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot still to be proven by Arsenal yet. What about uh, Liverpool going in, in with the three-all draw at Brentford? How do you, what do you make of that game? It was a brilliant game. I won't lie to you. It was a brilliant game. It was nerve-wracking. Um... Brentford aren't that bad a side. They really aren't. Maybe maybe people were downplaying Arsenal a bit when they beat them. Um, they, they have a really dedicated manager there. They seem to be a good bond within the team. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, no bones about it. I mean, it was a, a deserving draw. It really was. And um, for Brentford and... I, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think maybe the lack of transfers for Liverpool, maybe maybe this is a sign that they'll have to open the checkbook in um, January. Um, I think we're slightly lacking around the middle, I won't lie to you. Um, and, but, I mean, it was a really entertaining game. Disappointed as a Liverpool fan, but Brentford were definitely worth their draw definitely and who's who could have seen that they might have gotten the win they had a couple of chances early on only for Allison. so yeah they're full value for the draw against Liverpool no bones about it and what do you make of uh, Penandes, uh missing the penalty against Aston Villa and do you reckon uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be taking over penalty taking duties for Man United or how do you see that going how do you think it was an awkward exchange in the dressing room after the game or yeah, I, this is this is just the trouble with United, Robbie. I mean, Ronaldo came in and that was it. The title was, you could say, maybe wrapped up for United. And now I'm not exaggerating. You would have fancied him to be one of the, especially signing Sancho as well. Um, uh, uh, Varane, or sorry, uh, Varane, oh, jeez, I can't. Varane, yeah, Varane. Varane, sorry. <laughs> Um, I mean top class players but it all boils back to the manager is the manager good enough to be able to manage these top class players and um, he doesn't seem to be I mean how much more money can Man United spend they got an absolute bargain with Ronaldo he showed he's able to score goals but still losing to Aston Villa no disrespect Aston Villa are a great team with great history and all of that, but still, if you're title contenders, you have to, you have to with the talent they had on show in that game to be able to get over Villa. 
being honest and missing the penalty and all of that yeah it's i i wouldn't really over write much on the penalty i i'd be more concerned about how they got into that situation being honest um like you look at the the value of that united team compared to say the aston villa one that's that's it i think it boils back to Solskjaer. i really do and uh, will he be the man to deliver I don't know how many more chances he can get and when they extended his contract was it uh, was it late last season or the start of this season they might be reviewing it maybe before the end of the season or next year because a team like United need to be challenging for titles and on the displays over the past couple of weeks I don't think they're up to it and I think it's down to the manager Yeah I think he always seems to be like a few games uh, away from getting a sack or you know being given a new contract you know <laughs> he's kind of he's always kind of yeah. in this perpetual limbo of that um, just as well uh, Man City had uh, beat Chelsea at the weekend Chelsea were parking the bus uh, and they were kind of criticised for their their uh, tactics against Man City but it's a it's a massive week for Man City 1-0 win over Chelsea they play PSG in the Champions League tomorrow night and then they play uh, Liverpool next weekend so it's a it's a massive uh, week for City do you reckon um, the clash of the cash tomorrow PSG and Man City is going to be a really exciting game worth every penny that they both spent on their teams or how do you see that one going? Um, it's a tough one to call because um, Man City can flatter to deceive in Europe. I mean, if it was the Premiership, I mean they're they're tried and tested there. What they're after doing, you have to give great credit to them. Um, uh, it could be, it could be a really low scoring tie. I mean, it could be one goal could nick that tomorrow night. Um, with all the talent that's on show because. Um, they're they're going to have to be wary of the talent that the opposition have. If you're a City fan, you have to be aware of the talent that PSG have at their disposal, and vice versa. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw, maybe a nil all draw or a very low scoring game. Now, knowing my predictions for soccer, they're brutal compared to GA, so it could be a five four or. Uh, something like that but um, yeah I, I think I think it sums up all that's wrong with football at the moment uh, no disrespect to the teams I think it's the governing bodies that have to manage it but um, I mean the the salaries that will be with, on those players that are going out tomorrow night is just gone off the Richter scale but um Going back, going back to the game itself, yeah, I, I think it could be a possibly low-scoring uh, game. Uh, and maybe see City nicking it. I, I mean, it's the latter stages that City seem to uh, stumble at and they could get over PSG tomorrow night. Yeah, interesting to see how it goes. Uh, another couple of exciting games are... Milan and Atletico Madrid um, and Juventus and Chelsea so they're kind of a couple more massive games um, cool so let's, well, we'll finish up the, the soccer chat there so uh, 
Do you have any uh, picks of the week this week, this week for me, Teach? Yeah, there's one actually I discovered on YouTube, um, not surprisingly, and it's going back to my early teens uh, or even younger. Is do you remember the world's scariest police chases that used to be on TV three of a Friday night? Yeah, yeah, I used to love them. It's a uh, sheriff John Burnell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're all on YouTube, and uh, yeah, if you're if you're a fan of it when you're growing up, it's nostalgia and definitely worth checking out. Uh, the second one that I was I I done it on the podcast before, but um, when I'm out walking now, I started listening to it again. It's Champagne Football by Mark Tyga and Paul Rowan. It's uh, about the history of John Delaney and FAI, the highs and the lows, and um, yeah, there were more lows towards then. But uh, yeah, it's definitely if you didn't check it out, it's on audiobook or a uh, hard copy as well, and it's definitely worth checking out if you have an interest in that. It kind of sums up, uh, maybe why Irish football's in the state it's in, and um. Hopefully we can get back to good times again. But yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Mark Tig and Paul Rowan as well. It's actually surprising that the downfall came from an envelope that was left on uh, Mark Tig's desk. Other than that, um, John Delaney may be still headed FAI, but it's definitely worth checking out. It's a pity we didn't get like maybe uh, a mashup of both of them with maybe John Delaney going uh, getting being on world's scariest police chases now that could have been uh that could have been a really great episode yeah yeah down them nine or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been class uh just for me um i this is on my recommended list on my spotify uh so it's like conspiracy theory podcast um i don't know why this recommended to me but anyway it's like they kind of take maybe an objective view of um conspiracy theories and they analyze the the ins and outs of it and then they make their own there's a couple of them on it and they make their own decision uh based on the evidence so they might end up having disagreement or whatever you know so it's not like um total tinfoil hash uh listening or whatever they're not like embracing every theory known to man they're kind of taking the facts and you know going back over history and they had a good series on uh 9-11 there and it's actually one episode uh, that the last one they had was actually, um, I think they didn't do an episode that week and they had an episode on unsolved murders, uh, which was a good one because oh. they talked about um, uh, Charles Manson's lawyer. So the guy who was uh, hired to defend uh, mass murderer Charles Manson and his uh, cults uh, and what happened to him and uh, you know, basically didn't end well for him, but no one has been able to prove it and all that sort of stuff. And, it's around half an hour we listen and um, they kind of do like a bit of dramatization in it as well and uh, yeah it's kind of it's definitely worth a listen and um for anyone who listens or watches any of the promos i do on instagram uh the weekend makes a, a regular occurrence <laughs> with the music uh, that i do so i went back to kind of dig back down into a bit of the weekend stuff so house of balloons is his first album and there's lots of uh, low-key bangers on there. And um, definitely, you know, some really great uh, 
baby making music uh, and I should know what that's like because I have four kids so uh, yeah definitely uh, definitely recommend it whether you're chilling in the car or maybe doing something uh, a bit more intimate you know yeah I know definitely I know two great picks there actually one final one from me Robbie I'm actually watching it with the sound down here it's on RT1 cocooned it's on about um the elderly and people that had to cocoon during the lockdowns uh due to COVID-19 and yeah. it looks really interesting now I will watch it back on the player but I think it'd be a good summation of the sacrifices that were made by um the elderly and vulnerable during um the COVID-19 lockdown but I think it looks really interesting and um, it'd be definitely worth checking out on the player if you didn't see it already or see it Monday night because this will be going out tomorrow Tuesday yeah uh, definitely catch on the RT player if uh, you can find a, mo- a moment in time where the player does uh, more than freeze <laughs> um, yeah. yeah cool so we'll move on so just want to chat a little bit about the United Rugby Championship formerly uh, the Pro 14 formerly the Pro 12 formerly the Gaelic League or I know it was kind of every different uh, amount of names so rather than kind of talk about the rugby I just want to talk about the general interest in it there doesn't really seem to be a massive interest in it or a chat about it or apart from maybe your rugby aficionados like Liam or uh, people who play rugby uh, is there really a general interest from the casual fan would you get many people kind of casually dipping in and out of it or is it more is it kind of drifting into a, a, like a, a place where it's more just the, the hardcore fans are, are watching it and everyone else is maybe watching something else, do you think? Yeah, as anyone would know, listening to the podcast, I'd be a GA uh, head, but um, I enjoy rugby as well. And I really enjoy the uh, provincial rugby, the likes of the Pro 14 before this um, United Rugby Championship came in. Uh, I was really excited with the expansion of it with the South African teams coming in, but they don't seem to be up to the level of the teams that were in the Pro 14. Maybe it's take a stage of development, the likes of Zebra and that coming in as well. They they started off slowly, but they're able to nick wins now. Um, Going back to your question, I think there's a slight bit of... Well, in this country anyway, I think there's a slight bit of snobbery towards rugby. Um, now, I'll explain this because it'd be kind of a contrasting from what normal people have viewed. I think the snobbery is with the ordinary people because they still look at rugby as being an elite sport. And kind of the Ross O'Carroll Kelly kind of type. Um and which is further from the truth, um, because an awful lot of the players now would not have come in from, say, the private school system that would have been in place years ago, and Munster would have been the echelons of that, um, when they had their success. I mean, you look at like Sean O'Brien, uh, Rob Carney, and all of that came from a GA background. Tyke Furlong as well, uh, GA background as well. That didn't seem to filter down yet, and I think um the big um issue that say the IRFU will have to address is getting it down, g- getting people in that may not have 
having an interest in rugby i i worked with people um in media and on radio and that that just be ga heads but they just would not tolerate rugby they just will not tolerate rugby it's ga or not and and being honest i can understand that being a big ga fan myself but i respect rugby i love watching it I love supporting it, um, going to games when I can get a chance. And I think they just have to really try and get down mm-hmm. to the grassroots around. Um, if you look at, say, soccer, there are never any issues with soccer except the League of Ireland. And that was, you could say, slightly down to mismanagement over the years. Not with the clubs, but, I mean, governing bodies. They, they, they was taken off of the ball with it and uh, the game kind of suffered as a result. And I think it's a situation that the, the likes of the rugby governing bodies are going to have to try and win in supporters. Um, and, I mean, you look at, say, the scramble for tickets for Six Nations games and all of that. Um, there's no atmosphere like Tomine Park. I was lucky to be down at the Munster game years ago and the atmosphere down there is unbelievable. I mean, it's really a cauldron down there. If you were an opposition team going down, you are going to that stadium, you'd be fearing, not for your life, but you'd be fearing because of the atmosphere that uh, silhouettes down to the pitch. Um and yeah, I think that's where the big issue is. I think they have to do away with the perception. I mentioned last week about Mokra. I'm a member of Mokra, I love it. But still there's a perception with some people that Mokra is only for farmers and that's furthest from the truth. Yeah, there's an agricultural uh aspect to it, but there's far more away from it as well. And that's it's the same with rugby. I think there's a slight bit of um snobbery among supporters that they think here this is just an elite sport ga and say grassroots soccer is more valuable to support because i think it's a real shame because it's it's a terrific sport and i love watching it yeah it's a great game a lot of the games are really good um i I just kind of find myself um it kind of gets lost in uh all the other viewing of sport and stuff like that and uh even with like I would never really watch a whole lot of the the club stuff, maybe more tune in for the big Interpro games and the uh, the European uh, European Cup rugby and stuff like that. Um, that can be more interested in that than maybe just your like, because like in a lot of games as well, they don't they don't play half the amount of players. All, like, you know, even Leinster, they kind of have a massive squad and they kind of use that in all the games. So, you know, like they're exciting games, maybe you're not getting to see maybe the the full strength of teams as well like that. So that can kind of take maybe some of the, some of the excitement out of it. Maybe you can kind of seem a bit more kind of like more like a friendly if you're not having like two teams going at each other with everything they got, you know, but um, yeah, it's definitely really good to develop players uh, from an Irish point of view. But um, yeah, maybe as you're saying, get, uh, get it kind of maybe out to the people maybe more and kind of uh, promote it more and kind of promote it as more of a, a sort a sport of the people rather than as you're saying maybe it's it's been considered for a long time to be maybe a more elitist uh, uh, type sport um so anton for the the world sports roundup there teach before we get onto the uh, the high ball 
Yeah, sorry, just one small point, Robbie. Just one thing popped into my head. If you look at, say, I mentioned about Munster, they have Tomine Park and Musgrave Park in Cork. I think it's Musgrave Park in Cork. Say, if you were to look at it, say, with mm-hmm. one of the biggest provinces, Leinster, I mean, it's the same in Connacht. It's a small um, kind of community, and that's why there's such passion there. I'd love to see, now I know it'd be a bit of a headache, if you could say maybe get a couple of Leinster games outside of the capital, um, now it, I might open up a can of worms here. But if you were able to get maybe one rugby game a year in the likes of Nolan Park or somewhere like that, just get it outside because the rugby pitch is smaller. Maybe that's an aspect of it, um, and maybe you could grab in more fans that way. If you could have another ground. Or say somewhere that there were some accommodation. Now some GA people could kill me for saying it, but I I think to be brilliant because you'd be showcasing the brilliant facilities around. Um, but sorry, move on to the world sports roundup. Yeah, the the one be I'd have would be the Ryder Cup and a real disappointment for the European side, and um. We're on about the online abuse that Mayo players were getting. I think it's despicable the abuse that Parik Harrington was getting and the European uh, uh, management team um, because they put every effort into it. I mean, the players went out. It just wasn't their time. America suffered a lot of heartbreak over the years and they rebuilt and came out with a really strong side and they're going to be really hard to beat in 2023 when the Ryder Cup goes to Italy. So, yeah, it was really disappointing. I I love watching golf as well, playing it, and uh, you never like losing to America in the Ryder Cup, but they were genuinely beaten better. Maybe it's a situation we're on about rugby. Maybe they have to look at the structures around the Ryder Cup as well. There were a couple of tournaments removed where the European side were able to try out a couple of things and maybe they have to look at structures like that. But yeah, it's disappointing for the European side. But Parry Carrington, our management team, don't deserve any abuse because they're after giving great commitment to it and that would be the one thing one sour point from it other than being beaten by a really terrific American side as well. Yeah, I think the average uh, world ranking for the American team was ninth. I think it could have been maybe 30th or something possibly, or it was a much higher for the European team. So definitely um, the Americans had on paper the best team and had home advantage and the course was, was set to suit them. It's kind of hard as well to win away from home in those sort of scenarios. So um yeah, that's um well fair play to America. They uh they won well and uh you know Shane Larry he he did a, he kind of stood up. I think I, I was kind of thinking he would do that. He's he's very much a team player. You see his work with Offaly and all that sort of stuff and he would be definitely the sort of person who would pull on the team jersey and you know he got really pumped up uh when he won one of the points, you know. So uh fair play to him and uh hopefully Hopefully, lots of Irish guys make it onto the team next time as well. Uh, anything else for the roundup, or will I uh, bore you to that with some NFL? 
Uh, just one uh, when you mentioned Shane Lowry there I think Rory McIlroy showed real bottle as well yesterday he was having kind of a disappointing year and um, had a disappointing week at the tournament and you could see the, the interview after but to get the victory he did yesterday I, t- I think deserves credit as well but Shane Lowry is just uh, the man of the people as well and um, yes yeah, it's great to see the Irish players uh, getting important victories I know came up short but great credit to him as well yeah fair play uh, and just uh, congratulations as well to Lewis Hamilton he's first uh, Formula 1 driver to win 100 races um, so it's some achievement and uh, he's unreal he's uh, sweeping all records before him um, yeah so we'll just go on to the NFL stuff um, so a couple of big games last night so there was the LA Rams were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady's Buccaneers, and um, the the LA Rams played a really good game, and they, they shut down the Bucs, and defense played really well, and uh, Matthew Stafford, he was uh, he used to be a quarterback with the Detroit Lions, and they're quite a poor franchise, never really win anything, and a lot of the times it was, say, it was said that if Matthew Stafford was at a good team, how good of a player he would be, and he proved it last night. He proved all the all the doubters wrong. Um, but you have to say that uh, Tampa Bay are going to be playing the Tom Brady's old team next week, uh, the New England Patriots, who aren't doing too well. And uh, Tom Brady looked pretty pissed off at the end of the game last night. So I think the Patriots are gonna <laughs> gonna get the backlash from Tom next week, and uh, that should be yeah, some game. That should be. A good- should be the game of the week because Brady's going back to play in uh, Foxborough uh, where he played for so many years with the Patriots. And if he wins that game, he will have beaten uh, every other, every NFL team. So I think there's only maybe two or three players who have done that, who've beaten everybody. Um, Cause obviously some guys stay at the same team and all this sort of stuff. But um, yeah, if he wins next week, uh, he'll have beaten every team in the NFL. And then the other big game, well, a couple of big games was the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Chargers um, and their bottom of their division, which is quite unusual for the Chiefs. And then the uh, Green Bay Packers won with a walk-off field goal against San Francisco 49ers last night. Um, so there were kind of a couple of big games. So, yeah, the games just keep getting bigger and bigger. And hopefully the, the Cowboys can uh, – my Cowboys can beat the Philadelphia Eagles tonight. And if not um, – I'm gonna have a good cry uh, when I wake up tomorrow and I see the result. But hopefully, hopefully we get the win. So uh, cool, teach. So we're gonna move on to the highball. Highball. Oh. Cool. So this was kind of just I was kind of thinking of kind of post for highball for a while, and um, this one just kind of popped up during the week. It was basically the new iPhone will be able to recognize if you are depressed or have anxiety or depression and all this sort of stuff or possibly for Alzheimer's and stuff um, just by like the way you're interacting with the phone and the way you're tapping how aggressive you are and your sleep patterns and all that sort of stuff so do you think this is uh, maybe a step too far or is it a sign that maybe we're too connected to our phones almost and maybe it might be a better idea for depression and stuff if we were a million miles away from our phone or do you think this is maybe too much or a step in the right direction that can actually help people with their mental health? Uh, I got I got a watch actually. I had a Fitbit and um, it coughed on me. 
and I got a Hawaii or Hawaii watch and it has the stress thing in it and it's able to sense if you're stressed or whatever. And I won't lie to you, it just doesn't make sense to me. It could be a great addition, but it just doesn't make sense to me. So going back to the question, I think there's too much technology, Robbie. I think if we went back to the old days of Nokia 3210s or 3310s, where the only entertainment you had was trying to uh, develop a ringtone or order a ringtone off a magazine or the crazy frog or something like that, there would be far less stress, anxiety or depression. Um, We're on about um, the likes of the abuse that the Mayo players were getting, the abuse that um, Parry Carrington would have been getting with the European side. All of that's a factor because of not centered solely on mobile phones because I know people have tablets and laptops and all of that. But, I mean, I just, it's a bit like, uh, do you know those alcohol aware campaigns that are being funded by the alcohol industry? It just comes across a bit like that because you're trying to solve a problem that's kind of caused by the product that they have themselves. Um, now, I'm not saying that an iPhone is the cause or whatever, it stops, that's on it and all of that, but... I think if there was a bit uh, a bit less technology, people would be a hell of a lot happier because if you look at, say, bullying that used to take place in school once, and that shouldn't have been tolerated, but once someone left the school yard or the school gate, that finished. But now it's gone home with people, and it's all because of advanced technology and... I just couldn't see any benefit to it, Robbie. I won't lie to you. Yeah, so you're uh, you're even against the uh, Fitbits or whatever. You're not not really in favour of technology. I, you know? I use them, Robbie. I use them, but I'm not blindsided to the fact that they're not causing like the likes of Fitbits and smartwatches and all of that. They're absolutely terrific. I won't lie to you, but I mean adding things just for the sake of adding them that may not have a a proven advantage to it i just see as pointless i won't lie to you i'd be more concerned with say what's available on the likes of mobile phones itself um i just now i'm the biggest villain of it and i don't mean to sound a hypocrite here i could look at my phone um every five minutes and the phone's buzzing sometimes you want fired away because messages are just coming in and um i i think if people took a detox away from technology if they were feeling anxiety or stress it would be a greater help than some technology being built into a device itself i think the device and what can be on it the likes of apps or social media or whatever would be a greater factor than developing any technology on the device to relieve it to make you aware or alleviate it yeah it could just be another uh another way for creators you know to get get your phone more involved in your life and you know taking over taking up more time and more headspace for you yeah so uh yeah it does it does seem a bit kind of too much big brothery for me uh (laughs) to be honest um 
And then like, is your phone going to maybe report you as, you know, being depressed or have some sort of illness to your, maybe your health insurance or your employer or to maybe family. And maybe if you were in like a legal dispute with family, maybe they could use that against you. And there's all sorts of different maybe implications there, you know? So uh, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we all need to, I think we said it a few times on the podcast, we all definitely need to be less uh, interaction on the phone more interaction with nature and with the people around us and stuff like that so that and as you're saying that'll probably do 10 times more for people's mental health than any any app on the phone yeah i mean there's a gdpr perspective to it as well i know they're um uh, they're kind of trying to counteract all of that but if you have a data breach i mean what you mentioned there about um people's kind of um mental health and all of that maybe potentially being available to hackers or something like that all you need is someone and um, send a message like you look at all those text messages and emails that are going around um pretending to be from courier companies all you need is someone to click a link that's vulnerable click a link their data gets out there and then you have a big data breach similar to say to do you know the hacking at the hse and that and that'd be a real concern that way that um i'd be more concerned that if the technology companies try to now i know they're making great advances and all of that and they're great course and all of that to make um kind of cyber aware and all of that but i think if they focus more on trying to protect um the vulnerability of devices and content that can be on apps and all of that more than trying to put on technology raising the awareness of it deal with the difficulty then try and fix or come up with a solution in other words to alleviate the distress or whatever comes from whatever's on the device if that makes sense yeah makes sense makes perfect sense and uh yeah on that note i think we'll bring this episode to an end so uh yeah great chatting as always each yeah, I know it was a pleasure, Robbie. And uh, yeah, I know I was, I was going to say goodbye, Olga, but I said I leave it. <laughs> yeah, just double, double check that direct app doesn't come out. <laughs> just in case. I know. A pleasure as always, Robbie. Thanks a million. Yeah, good chat, And uh, thanks for listening, guys. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if whatever uh, platform you're listening to us now, you can also listen to us on Spotify, Acast, and Apple Music as well. So check us out there. And uh, hopefully we might get up uh, maybe a YouTube YouTube episode soon, maybe. Yeah, no, definitely. Actually, I have to give a shout-out to just a couple of quick people, um, Fergal and Mossy, who listen in, and also Ray and Jacinta as well. Uh, give a shout-out to them. They got in contact with me during the week. Um, so I nearly forgot it. Sorry about that. A shout out to those and everyone that listens as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and thanks for everyone for uh, interacting with us as well on um, on Instagram and stuff like that. Uh, so always kind of welcome all the different uh, interaction and stuff. So uh, keep that coming, guys. Uh, yeah, cool. So have a good one, Teach. Same to you, Robbie. Thanks a million. No more pranking now this week, anyway. I'll try. I'll try not to. <laughs> <laughs> right, good luck, Talk good luck. to you soon, bud. Good, right, luck. Right. good luck. Good luck. Good right, luck. Right, right.